I'm Julia Bramble. And I'm Ian Anson Gray. Welcome to the Free Range Social Show. <laughs> As always, this podcast episode is a recording of a live show where the audience was able to interact with us. And if you'd like to be part of one of these live shows, then head on down to freerangesocialshow.com so you can find out when our next live show is. Join us and you can ask your own questions and get involved with the discussion. So, without further ado, here is this week's show. Welcome to the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Bramble. It's social media uncaged. Your social media marketing moving. Oh, welcome to the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Bramble. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, well, that was a bit quick, that one, wasn't it? But yes, it's great to, <laughs> great to be here. Hi, Julia. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are listening to the podcast, watching us on the live show or watching us later, it's great to have you here. It is. And how's everyone doing? Are you all knee deep in snow or has it now thawed? On, and can you feel your toes indeed is it too cold to feel them we would love to know because it's crazy at the minute it is well maybe not crazy everywhere i mean i, I don't know it, it could be quite normal somewhere in the world but uh, anyway <laughs> not quite sure where. i don't know let, let us know if it's normal where you are we'd love to know so uh, what are we talking about today julia today we are talking about what did or didn't happen at the fire festival, what happened before it and what happened after it, and most importantly, what we can learn from it, because there are probably some big lessons lurking in there for all of us. And of course, it's big news. It's all buzzy at the moment over on the old socials because of the documentaries that have come out about it, even though the whole thing happened in 2017. Yeah, so it was about April, May 2017 when this came yeah. out, and <clears throat> Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting thing. If you haven't come across the Fire Festival, uh, then definitely check out the the documentaries on this. But it was it was it started out as a as an app. It was the, the Fire app, and then which was a way to essentially book celebrities. It was a way to get access to celebrities. So it was really interesting that then from that they the the Fire Festival kind of came about as a an idea mm. uh, from Billy McFarlane. McFarland is the is the main guy who is now been put in prison for six years, but also <laughs> his partner Jay Rule, who's a, a rapper uh, from the nineties. Yeah. I think he still still does stuff. I think um, who's not been put in prison, we notice. Yeah, interesting. And it's interesting, and he's all he's been very adamant that he was not out there to uh, to con people. He, you know, I think the blame has been put solely on Billy McFarland. So. And in fact, I just saw the other day that he was at a concert and he was uh, getting everyone to swear back at him for uh, and say that uh, we're going to forget all of this and um, let's uh, we're going to forget about this for the rest of the year. I don't quite understand, but anyway, he's he's uh, he's that's what he's saying. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's so many interesting things that we can talk about from uh, social media and from. Uh, point of view and also from uh, an influencer marketing point of view yeah uh, which is uh, uh, should be really really interesting we've got David Trott who says he hasn't seen the documentary on Netflix yet it's on the list I need some new things to make me angry oh dear (laughs) really (laughs) your life is not angry enough David is that right (laughs) yeah so we'll see about that 
that. That is interesting. Um, you know, I've heard I've heard some people who are really angry at the making or the way they've made uh, the the documentaries that it's very one sided and it's very against millennials in particular. Uh, uh, so yeah, interesting stuff. That definitely recommend listening to Brian Fanzo's podcast. Who he's talking about this and he's talking about the the both sides of it really, which is interesting. But I thought it would be good if I just played a little bit of the video of the the trailer of for the Netflix uh, documentary on this. So I'll just play it now. All these models, like in the Bahamas, the most insane festival the world has ever seen. Island getaway turned disaster. It became very barbaric. Right now, we are the laughing stock of everything. Just wait until you see what you're getting yourselves into. American rapper Ja Rule is in the Bahamas with his business partner. Billy McFarlane is an amazing entrepreneur. He could convince anyone of pretty much anything. They just bought an island. Pablo Escobar's island. Oh my gosh. Ding! We're gonna throw a festival, yeah. Within 48 hours, they sold out. These guys are either completely full of or they're the smartest guys in the room. We were working around the clock, no sleep. Billy's like, bring more workers. We need more workers. Every single day, it got more tense. He just would not take no for an answer. And he just kept pulling money in somehow. Desperate people do desperate things. He was lying to investors and making it seem like we were making a ton of money when we weren't. I mean, that's fraud. We need to get the messaging out now that this is not a luxury music festival. Oh my God. There's mattresses all over the place getting soaked. The save yourself mode kicked in. Right, it's a free for all. It became this looting mentality. There's an angry mob, they're pissed off and they want their money. Powerful models built this festival. And then one picture of cheese on toast ripped down the festival. They just couldn't physically fit that many people on the island. The event's co-founder is facing up to 20 years in prison. If you had thousands of dollars to go on a trip to see Blink-182, that's on you. That is Darwinism at its finest. <laughs> the biggest event in a decade, I promise you. I'll be there. So there we go. That's, that's the documentary, or part of it at least. So yeah, what uh, I found fascinating was there are, despite the obvious... Uh, fact that he was uh, that Billy McFarland was sentenced to six years for fraud. There were a lot of dodgy things going on. There are probably a lot of things that we can learn from that they did well you know, in terms of influencer marketing. There's a lot of things that they did right and things that we can learn from. But obviously, a lot of things that they did really badly and wrong. And obviously, you, we wouldn't recommend doing it at all. What, what What did you get from it, Julia? In terms of that, did you kind of could you see the what they did right as well as what they obviously did wrong? Well, in terms of what they did right, they got people to believe and take action on something that actually, with hindsight, beautiful thing, isn't it, was too good to be true. So I'm sure a lot of people, when they bought tickets, were actually thinking, really? You know, can I really get all this for that price? Even though to them, probably a lot of them, the, the price was was fairly low, they must have realized that actually they were going to get an awful lot 
for that price. So, but he, he managed to make them believe that, yes, it was a reality, and, and they took action and they sold out. So, I mean, mm. an incredible marketer, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think the, the powerful thing here, as far as I can see, is is the use of influencers. You know, and it wasn't just using models and, and fashion uh, influencers. It was across the board. And I think there yeah. were, was it like over 400 influencers were used? And one of the, the real genius things, I think, was the fact that they just used this orange, was it an orange tile? Uh, orange yellow tile. Uh, and they got all the, these influencers that we're working with, of course, they were paying the majority of them, I think, yeah. uh, to just publish this tile, this orange tile with a, a link, a hashtag that would link to this promo video that they did, which had all the the scantily clad bikini models rushing through the waters and drone shots and all this kind of stuff. And that is, I think that is the difference between if, if they didn't have that, I think a lot of people would think, yes, this is too good to be true. But then they actually saw some footage uh, and this footage was not just being shared once. It was not being shared twice. It was being shared 400 plus times uh, by influencers, people that a lot of people really respected and uh, so i think that's that was one of the reasons why it worked but also the flip side of this now that it was found out to be a complete disaster and there was it was fraud going on how do these uh, influencers now pick up the pieces because they're now seen as sharing something that was fraudulent and so where does this leave us in terms of influencer marketing you know have how do we as influencers or working with influencers build that trust up have we lost that i'm interested yeah to well, absolutely and i think that's one of the big things isn't it i mean these people respected those influencers as you said but also they trusted them have massive trust in those influencers so if those influencers implied they were going to be at the event which some of them most definitely did then obviously their followers would just jump through hoops to be mm. able to be at the same event with them so You've got you've got that whole thing about should they have implied that they were going to be at the event if they never had any intention of being there, mm. although some obviously were going to be there and then got wind of what a disaster it was and never turned up. But you know that you've got that grey area, haven't you, as to to whether they should have implied that or not. And then you've got the whole realm of as an influencer, should you be promoting something that you haven't done your due diligence on? You know, if you're promoting something, is it your responsibility if it then doesn't deliver what you are, what you are, well, what they are saying it's going to deliver, actually? So you're promoting their message out to your audience. Is it then your responsibility mm. if they don't deliver on that particular message? And that is the crux of a lot of the conversations that are going on, like in our sector on social yeah. at the moment. It's like, how much due diligence should you do as an influencer before you go out and market something? But then, you know, if we can take that beyond that and actually look at our own, um, what we're actually doing in our businesses, you know, if we are a marketing agency, as a marketing agency, should we also then be doing, doing due diligence on our clients and making sure that all the products we're helping them to promote do actually live up mm. to what they're saying? It's like, how far do we extend this out? Well, that's the rest of a really important question. I mean, I think the answer to the first part is yes, we should be doing our due diligence, but how far do you go is is another conversation really to be had. You know, 
but you know you can spend spend years and years and years growing uh your the trust of your audience you know you building that reputation and then within 10 minutes it can all yeah. go completely from you and uh it's it's something that is so important when you're if you are an influencer and you have a brand who wants to work with you you do need to to make sure that it is something that you believe in something that your is actually going to be beneficial to your audience and i'm sure we've all had this you know we've had uh, maybe brands who who uh or, or we've had emails from people who are wanting to advertise on our websites or there's some kind of maybe they want to put a guest post on our website and yeah. there is no relationship there and we just do not know anything about them but yet they're just wanting to start from ground zero in a way i've had this with uh, brands who've wanted to work with me as an influencer uh, it's for example a, it could be a tool that they're wanting me to become a brand ambassador for but i've never used their tool i don't know anything about it yeah. and i personally can't do that I, I need to only work with tools that I certainly that I will recommend to my audience that I would use myself and that I actually am using myself otherwise you know my my reputation just um can get, go down the toilet and I think it's the same for all types of influencers you know you you are being uh, I mean the word is influence you are yeah. inf influencing people and if you are influencing people in uh in a if you are kind of what's the word i'm looking for if you if you're uh lying about your what you're talking about and you're saying something's really really good when it actually isn't or you've never tried it then you're actually deceiving people and your reputation can just go and so i th i think this in a way, I think it's a positive thing. I, I certainly don't think it's the end of influencer marketing is at all, but it shows that we've got to be so much more careful when we're choosing influencers to work with as a, as a business. But also if we are influencers, we've got to be very careful which brands we work with and whether they have uh, got the similar outlook to us and, and similar thinking in terms of our businesses. Yeah, I think having that aligned vision and the aligned values is going to be really important because with something like an event, you obviously don't know how it's going to pan out. But if you know that the person that you are working with or the brand that you're working with absolutely puts the customer as number one, you know, and they would move heaven and earth to make sure they have a great experience, rather like social media examiner do at social media marketing world, in my experience, not that I'm... <laughs> promoting them at all but you know if you know that that that's the way they go about things then you would feel very mm. happy if that's the way you look at things to actually go ahead and promote that event what these guys and girls mm. didn't do I guess is actually check that side out sufficiently the values and actually what that guy yeah. thought was important yeah absolutely and th this is this is always a tricky thing when when you get dollars put in your face you know uh, it's it can be very tempting just to say okay give me the money and I'll just put it out to my followers but yeah. uh yeah I, I think that's that's I think what people are looking for more and more and more now is honesty transparency and they they it's not that they they don't mind uh if people advertise or talk about things or promote things but they want to know the relationship behind there. So if this is a sponsored post, 
they want to know at the end yeah. of the day. I think that's what it is. People are becoming more and more cynical about what they see online. And the more we we uh, mistrust our, our audience, the more cynical they become. And that, that's causing a big, big problem. And this is another reason why I really am enjoying Mark Schaefer's book, Marketing Rebellion, because we yeah. are seeing more of this rebellion against traditional marketing. And we are potentially going to see a rebellion against if I can use the phrase traditional influencer marketing, yeah. uh, I, I think we're going to see a rebellion against that uh, unless we do something about it, unless we bring back that human connection, that transparency, that vulnerability as well. Uh, all those words that we've been using a lot recently on the show. It's funny, isn't it? Because as marketers, I would absolutely endorse that and expect that. But in my own personal experience, you know, I've got children who watch um, vloggers over on YouTube, travel vloggers or beauty vloggers or lifestyle vloggers or whatever, they tend to be female. And if they recommend a product, you know, they want to go out and get it. They know all the stuff that's gone in mm. with influencer marketing. We've actually had like discussions about it. I've had discussions with my eldest about the new rulings that have come in from the ASA and they've called out Zoella, I think, amongst some mm. other YouTubers for not actually being um, upfront about some of their promotional posts. And yet, even knowing all that, these guys and girls have got such an emotional hold, if you like, such an influence over people that I wonder whether there will be such a big rebellion. Maybe it really does depend on the age you are. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, that's it. I think it probably does depend on quite a few things. It depends on, on the age range and other kind of demographic uh, things as well. I, I'd love to know what you think. You know, if you're if you're watching or listening, let us know in the comments. Do you think it makes a difference? Do you think at the end of the day, if the inf if the influencer is more is powerful enough, they doesn't matter what they say, uh, people are going to buy their stuff. You know, it, it does it really matter. I I, th I think it things are changing, um, but maybe not as much as we think. It depends on the on the demographics. Maybe for Generation Xs. Um, Maybe we're a little bit more cynical. I don't know. Probably. I mean, that's that's uh, one of the things that Generation X people have, have been uh, yeah. talked about. Hard uh, with, yeah. Hard with. Uh, but yeah, millennials and the, the new generation, Generation Z. I'd be interesting to interesting to see how things progress. It would because millennials, the ones that I have experienced, tend to be a lot more savvy about online. Anyway, they tend to be a lot more street savvy, but. Yeah, the, the people who are out there on social have got massive influence over them, much more influence over them than, say, you know, TV stars and, and music stars, maybe, whereas they're the ones that would have influenced us in our youth. But because of the way they talk to them and the way they approach them, it feels much more personal, I think, than it ever did for us being influenced by someone in a magazine or someone on the telly. Mm. Yeah, well... I don't know, is the answer to that. Well, I just have to, though, it's it? def definitely interesting. See how it evolves. See how I know, it evolves. I mean, we have had discussions about the new ASA rulings and like how far do you take that as well? You know, if you receive a, a T-shirt in the post maybe from a brand, or do you actually have to put hashtag ad on that if you tweet it out? Because apparently yeah. Zoella has, has basically been now doing exactly that. She got I think it was her flights paid to go to Spain or something like mm. that so she said you know every single Instagram post I put out here I'm just going to have to put add on because I got my flights to come here paid for so mm. it's yeah 
it's weird. And the, and then it get, gets a little bit ridiculous at that point, yeah. you know. And so you you would hope that common sense comes into it, but quite often with these rulings, they don't. And uh, yes, I think we do need some transparency and honesty. But at the end of the day, do people really want to know that you got a free t-shirt? T-shirt. I mean. I don't exactly. know. I don't know. Maybe there's a part of the website where you can find out all all of these things, you know. And and, and I I'm try I try to be as honest and open as I can, you know, with um all my relationships with with brands. And I, I kind of if I I don't know whether I put that I've got a free T-shirt from them because I probably because I don't really don't know whether I've actually posted a picture of myself with a free t- with wearing a free T-shirt, <laughs> but it makes me think. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's like how far how far do you take this transparency and, and telling everybody everything? Indeed. Well, David Trott is uh, he's uh, saying something interesting here. Let me just bring it on. Good. So he says he says it's about misleading omissions under the Consumer Protection Act. If what you publish could reasonably be expected to sway someone's purchasing decision, then you have to declare a commercial relationship. Um, I don't know what you think, Julia. I, to me, uh, I totally understand that comment, uh, that, 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 you know, that quote from the Consumer Protections Act, but it still seems that it's open to interpretation, isn't it? You know, if yeah. you, if what you publish could reasonably be expected to sway someone's purchasing decision, you know, what does that actually mean? And I suppose what I find useful with these things is to kind of find examples of what would be okay and what would not be okay and you know for example going back to the t-shirts you know uh could you say that me wearing a t-shirt from a brand that i was given free would would be persuading someone to buy the the product well in my opinion no but Somebody else may have a different opinion. I don't know. Exactly. And that's the thing we don't know, do we? In this complicated world of 2019, where we know the traditional funnel it doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, when brands go and do research about the customer journey that their customers have been down, every single person has had a different journey. You don't know if someone's seeing you wearing that T-shirt or talk about the T-shirt on social media or talking about the book on social media is like that final step in the journey from then going to, I'm not quite sure whether to go for this or not, to finally purchasing it, in which yeah. case you have had a role in it, but but you don't know. Yeah, uh, and the, the the thing is, of course, that a lot of these conversations and a lot of the, the, the persuasions are not happening out in the open, are they? They're, they're happening yeah. behind closed doors. The, you know, social is moving away from the public to the private with messaging apps. You know, like the, the, the conversations between friends happens not in the public eye anymore. Yeah. So how can you prove yeah. uh, whether some, you know, people are being persuaded? It's, it's re- re- really difficult. Now, Trevor Lorkins says, reasonably, hi Trevor. hi Trevor, is a great word to keep the lawyers in business. And I totally agree. Isn't it just? Isn't it it's, just? It's, um, so yeah, I, I, think, I think we need to have some clarity on the issue and you know whether you are an influencer or whether you you using influencers or whether you are just a regular person who is interacting with these influencers on Instagram or whatever platform it is uh, I, I think we need some clarity and so if there are any lawyers in the house um, yeah. well I don't know let's 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 I mean let's let's um 
let's think about it and uh, you know, let's be maybe good to come back to this in the future. We've got Alan Hennessy's here. Hi, hi, oh, Alan. hi, Alan. Great to have you here. Uh, and David also says, imagine someone asked Twitter for restaurant recommendations and the social media manager replied to suggest one of their clients. That's probably a clearer example than the T-shirt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I and think, I think yeah, and a lot of us or would in that instance say that this person is my client. Um, certainly, I've, I've seen that happen in Facebook groups before. Yes, and, and I think another example is you know I'm a, I mean I'm a brand ambassador for Agora Pulse, which is a social media management tool, but. You know, and I when I'm when I'm writing articles, uh, I'm writing an article at the moment on on Agora Pulse. But I'm very honest and open about the fact that I am a brand ambassador. But I also go out of my way to be as impartial as possible uh, because I want to help. At the end of the day, I want to help people find the best social media management tool for for them. Yeah. It could be Agora Pulse, it could be Hootsuite. It you know that is my job. And if I start just going on about Agora Pulse as being the best in the world. And don't talk about my relationship. Well, I, first of all, I wouldn't do that because that's it, 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 that impartiality or that partiality were, is is not helpful to people. But also, it just um, is another example of what not to do as an influencer. It's just going to knock down trust. It's it's also goes against the regulations as well. Yeah, I'm just thinking now. I've been shouting all over social media about Mark Schaefer's book because it's great and I love it, but. <laughs> He sent me a free book in a box as he did you with a load of goodies in. And I did do a Facebook live video oh. like sharing that. But is that enough? Should I now be putting it at the end of so every social media post that yeah. I put out there? Yes, Mark sent me a free book and a load of other goodies. But that isn't why I'm saying this. Probably. Yeah, that's that's. I had, do you know what? I had, and that's the, that's the thing. I hadn't even that hadn't occurred to me. The uh, thing is, you know, with, with with this type of thing, I would be recommending it anyway I, exactly. I, would get, I would go out and buy the book exactly uh, you know even if he hadn't sent it to me for free yeah. and I would be talking about it and I would be recommending it so yes David what do you think <laughs> you seem to be the lawyer here um <laughs> Uh, yes. So Amanda says, uh, I think many influencers have no business acumen. I think that's going to change. And I think that's a really good point. I think it's got to change uh, because you can't just go out there and, you know, recommend something lots and lots of times, get paid for it and not talk about uh, your uh, relationship with these people. You, you, you've got to, reputation is so easily lost. I think influencers are going to have to hire people to help them with this with the business and also with reputation I, i'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen there yeah i am i don't see any of the sort of i don't think any of the big names that are associated with the fire festival have seen massive ramifications yet but i understand some of the models are now under investigation aren't they but mm. you know they they did what they were paid to do so it's very interesting as to how far they can actually push that back because, of course, the rules and regs that are there now weren't there at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if one good thing has come out of this, it is to start, you know, building a bit of structure around this this whole business, isn't it? I think so, but I hope that common sense prevails. I hope that it's we just do the right thing. Yes, we've got to have, we've, we've got to have more honesty. We've got to have some rules and regulations in place, but it got to think about this across the, from the from the big guys to the small guys and certain things like the free t-shirt thing like the free book i mean does 
does that matter at the end of the day? Maybe it does. I don't know. But we need to have this conversation and come up with some guidelines on that that are actually, yeah, that 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 are not silly. That's that are common yeah. sense. I mean, interestingly enough, when I when the fire festival stuff all hit um, initially, and and again now, it reminded me of an event that I actually bought tickets to in the UK that kind of had a similar failure it was Mm. quite it was really interesting to watch and it's got to have been about I don't know about nine years ago now but it was I don't know if you know there's uh, a company that set up Lapland UK in like the Windsor sort of area so it's like this beautiful Christmassy event and you wander around and there are lots of little different activities for the kids and it's all like they have fake snow everywhere and elves and you go and do your your workshop making things for Santa and all that sort of (laughs) stuff and the skating it's beautiful Anyway, there was a company in, I think it was Dorset, who decided to set up a similar thing in that area. And it sounded amazing. They made it sound very, very similar to the one in Windsor. And the one in Windsor, I think it's Windsor anyway, but it's around there anyway. It always sells out really quickly. You know, people have got to hear about it and the tickets just go really quickly. So they obviously thought we're onto a good thing here if we can replicate this. So they set up this this website to sell tickets for this one in Dorset. And it was before the days of really much happening on social media, to be honest. So I found out about it because a friend of mine, a mum friend of mine, was talking about it. And I'm absolutely sure that's how lots of other people found Mm, out about mm. it as well. So it was social networking, but it was offline and not online. And needless to say, the tickets for that event sold out as well. But events played out in a very, very similar way to the Firefest, albeit on much lower key level. But, you know, families turned up to be greeted by sort of one sorry reindeer chained up to the fence. And, you know, similar type of thing, one stall holder where they're meant to be like this whole row of like market stalls and like no entertainment or anything like that on one little tent and a load of churned up mud. Mm-hmm. And it made the papers down here because it was so awful. And eventually, like the fire festival, it got closed down. They couldn't run it anymore. And I think the guy who actually put it all together ended up in jail. Luckily, I bought on my credit card, so I got a refund back. Right. But there were masses of people trying to get their money back. And of yeah. course, it didn't happen. So it is exactly the same type of scam. And I think also the guy trying to put that on was a bit naive as I think the fire festival guy was very naive about what you actually have to do to organize something like that um but it just goes to show you didn't need a big influencer to talk about Mm -hmm. that event you just needed kind of lots of the right people talking about saying hey this sounds really good let's go and again they got the tickets sold sold out and people clamoring for a wait list so yeah, it's interesting. Well, the fire festival is an example. It's a big, big example of things going wrong in so many ways. There were there were lots of things that went right, and I think we can learn. Uh, there was a lot of you know marketing geniuses or genius decisions, I should say, involved, such as the the video and the working with influencers. Yes, there was a lot of dodgy things going on. You know, uh, with with the fraudulent activity with him uh, with. Billy McFarland uh, lying to investors, basically. And yeah. and then at the end of the day, them bigging, uh, biting up so much more than they could chew in terms of putting on this massive festival on a deserted island. Well, it wasn't a deserted island in the end. No, so, um, rather crowded. <laughs> rather crowded island. So, I, yeah, I think it's it's well worth watching. If you haven't seen it, uh, do watch it and, and then let us know what you think. Yes, the, you could argue that... 
Uh, so certainly I've heard it argued that it's can maybe a bit one-sided, the documentary for the Netflix one. Uh, I haven't seen the Hulu one yet, and it's uh, poking fun, particularly at the attendees. How could they be so stupid in going? Uh, what do you think about all of that? Uh, we'd love to know in the in the comments. Just just let us know. We've got Nachi here. Hi, Nachi. Great Hi, to have Nachi. you here. Let us know what you think about this. I don't know whether you've seen the, the documentary. What can we learn from this? Moving forwards, I think it's just a case of doing our due diligence of looking into uh, the influencers that we work with or the influencers that we are influenced by, uh, or if we are an influencer, looking at the brands that we're working with and um, being a little bit more careful and being really as transparent as we can. And and not just influencers. So marketing agencies, yeah, if you're representing no. people, like how far do we take that as well? Remember that if you're representing a product or a service and it ends up to massively not live up to expectation, then maybe your reputation could be on the line as well. Very true. i tell you what, though. I bet there weren't any on the island or any. <laughs> so on that happy note, I think... I don't should... know. There were a few cheese sandwiches, allegedly. There were. There were. It was the cheese sandwich that brought the whole yeah. festival down, which is hilarious. So, uh, Isn't it just? The power of a cheese sandwich. I know. Rather like the power of an egg over on Instagram a few weeks ago. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, indeed. So we'll. I think we'll leave it there. Uh, we'll be Let's back next week at the usual time and uh we'd we'd love to to have you back at two o'clock next monday in the uk that's 9 a.m eastern 6 a.m pacific and uh, as always we're we're always hanging around on the free range social show channel on facebook facebook.com forward slash free range social and the podcast if you're listening to it uh, as a podcast we've already launched it but if you're watching this live or replay uh it will be launched very very soon so, any passing, any final thoughts before we finish, Julia? Any final thoughts? Mm, I think we're just going to have to think a little bit more about transparency, authenticity, and reputation. I think reputation is going to be the thing that, that helps us to carry us forward as businesses. How about you? Well, no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'll just leave... leave it with your final thoughts because I, I can't really <laughs> add any more to that but uh, thank you so much Julia thank you everyone thank for watching you. and listening we'll see you next week toodaloo bye for now bye that was the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Brown see you next week better attend to those cows